In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primo's call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt, and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primos. If you hunt enough, you learn the truth. What you seek speaks a language and knows it well. That's why every Primos call for everything you hunt is made the right way. We sweat every detail so you get more out of every hunt and nothing leaves our hand until we know it'll work in yours. Because we don't just make the world's best calls, we speak the language. Primos. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snow White. This is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, episode 194. This was a request from a listener, and I'm going to have to give apologies. I forgot your name. We spoke at the Virginia show, and I know this is about uh, 11 months later than you requested, but this is the podcast on how to pack for a fly fishing travel getaway. There's no sponsor for this podcast. However, I want to remind you that the Project Healing Waters 2 Fly Tournament is coming up the end of april and if you could please go to phwff.org there will be a small yellow icon that says donate on every page if you could please donate we'll consider this my fundraising campaign for the event and i would be highly grateful if the listeners could do that in this podcast i'm going to talk about what i carry my gear in the types of trip i'm going to go on uh, where I'm going to be sleeping, the gear I need from sunglasses, tackle, flies, camping gear, miscellaneous, clothing. This may be repetitive on some of the other podcasts on what I've brought on fishing trips with me. We're going to break this down. I couldn't really figure out how to organize this episode. And mostly I'm going to go with the bullet points and just talk sort of off the cuff. I'm just going to make this up as I go along because I think more of it is in my head than what I could put down in an outline. There are the bare essentials that I'm always going to carry with me on a fly fishing trip. These are things I have to have with me at all times. And those are going to be my lanyard. My lanyard has a pair of hemostats with 
scissors and a split shot clamp. It should have a pair of nippers. Right now, I think it's just an old pair of nail clippers. I'm a big fan of the fish pond pitchfork nippers. If I was going to invest in a nicer pair than just my nail clippers, I would use that. I have a file on there, a couple of strike indicators, a cap for a lip balm. And I'm also going to try and carry my wading belt that has my small machete on it, if I'm not flying, and also my P-line pliers. I'm going to carry rod and reels, maybe multiples. I'm going to carry a box of flies, leader, and tippet material as well. One of the big things that's going to determine what I'm going to pack for this trip is can I shop where we're going when I get there. This will determine how much I'm going to pack and what I'm going to pack. Things I can purchase at locations, be it Pulaski, New York, out in the Shenandoah Mountains, along the Front Range, and Summit County in Colorado. If I ever get back to Florida, maybe if I head out to the Chesapeake Bay, there was the trip to Hawaii a couple years ago. I know places like that, I can mostly find a store where I can buy food. So I don't need to pack power bars or granola bars or sunflower seeds or gorp. I can pick those things up there. Clothing-wise, I know that I can have spare clothes out in Colorado at our condo in Breck. But I'm going to pack light Knowing that, let's say I tear or break or rip something, I can always go into a store. Now, there was the case when we were in Los Angeles. The wife had some kind of spy work where the Swedish Air Force needed new coffee cup holders installed in the cockpit of the C-130. So she she went out there. I don't know if I can even say this. She went out there to broker the deal to have the C-130s retrofitted for coffee cups. And I got to fish. That was the trip where I caught the Corbina. There was a huge cold front that came in and dumped a ton of rain. It snowed up on the mountains, and it dropped. The highs were in the 48s to 52s, and I was freezing cold. And my wife would not let me go to REI in Santa Monica to purchase a fleece. You've got too many fleeces already. What do you need to go get a new fleece for? So I basically had to suck it up and shiver the whole time. If I'd been able to slip away, I totally would have gone in to REI or a Marshalls and gotten myself something nice and warm to wear. And it was a cold enough cold front that the Oscars red carpet was almost canceled. So that must have been, wow, that must have been February, uh, January or February of 2006. Or 2007. I'm going to say 2007. And then fishing gear. I'm going to pack what I can knowing that I can always buy split shot, tippet, a leader, uh, other things out there. And plus, if you're flying, you have to deal with liquids. So I can get sunscreen where we're going, other things that you just can't take on an airplane. The types of trips that I most likely go on now as I've gotten older and I've got a family are the family trip where we're driving or flying somewhere and there's limited space in the vehicle for fishing gear or limited space 
for carry on. The wife is the professional traveler and she does not like to have any of our luggage stowed away in the airplane. She wants to get out of the plane and go get a ride and get out of there as soon as possible. There's no checking of luggage with her. That narrows down a lot of what I can bring with me. And also on family trips, I don't have time to get out and fish. The trip to Nashville, there was no fishing involved. The trip to Montreal, it was winter, there was no fishing involved. But most other trips, I'm going to take some sort of fishing rod with me. Case in point, we went to Australia several years ago, and I brought a switch rod, and I purchased my Tenkara rod. And my excuse was, well, I'm packing it. I want to get a Tenkara rod so I can sneak an extra rod with me that is smaller than a switch rod. If it's specifically a fishing trip where I'm going out without the family and I've got space in my car, I can bring a lot more gear with me. I can bring a mobile fly shop if needed. And I already mentioned plane versus car. And when we're going somewhere for a long road trip, I get vetoed out of bringing fishing gear. If there's limited space, I don't get to bring my fishing gear. So I've got to pack light, the minimalist stuff I can, and that's going to be hopefully my next trip to Columbus. And we have to uh, get together and fish with Ryan, the next one, get a podcast with him from Mad River Outfitters about all the fishing he does. I want to see if he wears a Stormy Cromer hat in the summer too. So let's talk about the luggage. If I'm traveling in the car, I'm going to bring a large plastic storage bin from Big Lots or Home Depot. I can organize everything in there. It's big. It's boxy. I can take it from the car to someone's house. Like when we stayed at Dirty Bill's, just make sure the top is closed because his dog will take your socks and eat them. If we're flying, I'm going to have a day pack and maybe my old Mountain Smith waste bag or I might bring my sling pack on with me. My day packs will range anywhere from sort of smaller like a college backpack size to one that's extended that I can fit enough in that I can it's probably double the cubic inches of my day pack and I've got a variety of those from Dana designs to low uh, I think my wife's is Jansport. We've just got a pile of frame packs under the house. And hopefully, when the kid gets older, we're going to do some more weekend excursions with her. She just got a sleeping bag for Hanukkah. She's getting ready to be the outdoorsy lady that we're going to raise her to be. One of my newest purchases is the long travel rod case. I was never really interested in those until the day that Thomas and Scott and I were tying flies before a trip at Orvis in Arlington. And Dan was doing a demonstration that afternoon on how to pack for bonefish trip. And he fit everything in the Orvis rectangular travel case. And when I say everything, it was everything. Some of the nicer ones on the market are going to be TFO and fish pond if you want to go lower end price wise orvis one and risen fly but pretty much every manufacturer out there is going to have a hard-sided case to hold rods reels etc in that travel rod case i'm going to have it loaded with as much as possible and that will fit in the car very easily and i can put hopefully i cover it later but sunglasses Several rods, several reels, split shot, 
swivels, strike indicators, fly boxes, sunglasses, chamois, knife, whatever I need. And you'd be surprised what you can fit into one of those, especially when you take the rods out of the socks and just wrap them up with either rubber bands, hair ties, or pipe cleaners. The next item is going to be sleeping arrangements. Am I going to be couch surfing, which I love sleeping on couches. My dad had a friend named Joe Zucker, and he was the first Jewish person to ride Lufthansa after World War II. Joe was a a writer and an NPR contributor, and he loved to ride trains. His other pastime was sleeping on couches. He did not like beds if he was staying at your house. And he always reminded me of Rob Reiner. Always been a couch guy, as long as I can at least stretch out, put my legs over, I'm going to be comfortable. And if I'm doing that, I could bring my own sleeping bag, roll up my clothes or a towel that I have brought with me and use that as a pillow. If I'm car camping, and this is where I'm going to break things down, uh, I'm going to go with summer versus winter. If I'm car camping, my new car now has a bed. It is 24, 28 inches by 74 If you were to cut somebody in half at a magician show, it's sort of like that. So I've got two sections that break down, which are lighter, and I can put those in individually. On top of those, I'm going to have an egg foam. Ira's trying to get me to get foam from the upholstery store for making cushions. It's a little more dense. On top of that, if it's winter, I'm going to have a 30-degree bag. And then I'm going to have a down comforter from Costco. And then I will have my layers on. And over that, I don't like getting in my zero degree down bag. I prefer to just have my feet inside of it and pull it over me. So my body heat and my exhalation is going to warm it up. If it's cold enough, like last March when I was up on the Salmon River, I'm going to sleep with... Let's see, I'm going to have thick wool socks, and I just got all those new ones from that fly shop at the Edison show. I'm going to have a base layer of silk weight, and then I'm going to have my fleece bibs, and then my synthetic down pants by Patagonia. I will have a base layer t-shirt, some sort of long sleeve t-shirt, maybe a mid-weight three-quarter zip. And then I'm going to have a sweater, and then I'm going to put on my large down Moonstone jacket, the one that looks like George Costanza's from Seinfeld. It's Gore-Tex, Jerry. Luckily, the ladies at the Taylor slash... In every pair of Decovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that will draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. 
As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Dry cleaner? I went up there and I was like, hey, my zipper's broken. The lady's like, no problem. I fix it. Come back Tuesday. So the zipper's fixed now. It is extremely warm. I will probably have a balaclava on and then a buff to cover my eyes. I'm going to sleep with earplugs in. And I don't know if I wore gloves last time. Maybe a hat. And that's just body warmth. Now, if it's cold enough, I'm going to have, while I'm hanging out in my car, the cool thing about an Xterra is it has an always-on cigarette lighter port so i don't have to have my keys in the ignition to charge my phone and if i've got signal i'm going to watch some netflix or some amazon or read the new york times whatever to stay entertained and then it's bedtime but while i'm doing that i'm going to have my small propane heater on windows cracked so there's airflow and i have a carbon monoxide alarm in my car as well my windows are tinted you can't see me and you can always stay in a walmart parking lot almost indefinitely as long as you buy something so you can go in and buy some twizzlers or if you forget something you can go buy your toothpaste whatever you forgot is it uh contact solution do i need a loaf of bread if i'm making grilled cheese whatever and you go in the morning to brush your teeth and you're not the only one people are in there brushing their teeth they're shaving it's truck drivers, it's people that are in RVs. And next to me, I'm gonna have that bin. Now the bed I built is eight inches off of the bed of the inside and it's got storage underneath. So I can put rod tubes, extra layers, blankets, whatever underneath. And then I've got my storage bin, which is gonna be my table. So I can have my phone on there, uh, you know, a bottle of water, my little overnight medicine bag that's got all my you know, heartburn medicine, contact solution, cotton swabs, toothpaste, toothbrush, etc. You do have to remember that it's going to freeze overnight and you're going to have to probably defrost some things. So my sleeping bag has got a little pouch on the inside where you can put contact lens cases. I'll also just put that inside my jacket and I'm going to sleep with my phone inside my jacket so the cold doesn't drain the battery. Got to have a pee jug inside your car as well. Uh, Gatorade bottles work fine. Some people have got bigger bladders than others, so you might have to vary the size of your pee jug. If you're a lady or if you're a guy that doesn't want to get out, you can get these little travel johns. You can get them on Amazon or at Bed Bath & Beyond. It's a long sock-looking device with crystals inside, and when you urinate inside of it, it turns to a solid, and you can use those up to three times unless you overflow it. They're definitely worth it for road trips or just to have in the car, etc. Now, if I'm paying for lodging, I'm not going to have all that junk with me. I'm going to pop my luggage out of the car, roll it in, check into the lodging, my in-laws place in Colorado, a friend's house, etc. And I'm not going to need all that stuff and I can be warm and comfortable, but I prefer sleeping in my car. I learned a car camp in the summer of 94 going into my senior year of high school my earth science teacher had decided to go to grad school at CSU in Fort Collins. So I went out for the summer, a couple of weeks, to help him in his graduate work down between Uray and Silverton 
and Durango doing paleohydrologic studies. We were studying the effects of ancient floods and the flood that nearly wiped out Silverton early part of the last century. He had an FJ-40 and we camped out of that and that is where I fell in love with camping. That's where I fell in love with Colorado. Didn't get to do a lot of fishing out there, but my heart has always been in Colorado since then. And I definitely changed when I came back to school that senior year in 94. Something about me was just different. I had this just experience. And it was the same time my wife was out there doing Outward Bound. So we were both in Colorado at the same time, even though we lived in different states. And we ended up meeting here in 2001. So I have nothing against car camping. I spent a couple of months in my car in 05 in Colorado. My car now is large enough that I can stretch out. I sleep well in there. I love having a good rainstorm or a snowstorm. It's cozy. My biggest problem is the windshields and the windows on the inside are going to get covered in condensation from my breath. It's a metabolic byproduct. The cell respiration is water, and that's what you exhale or urinate. So sometimes in the morning, you've got to defrost the inside of your windshield. Let's move on to sunglasses. I'm always going to be carrying sunglasses. Since I was six years old, I've worn sunglasses every day outside. My eyes are extremely sensitive to the sun. I don't know if it's because I've always had just big eyes. My kids, her spirit animal was the owl, is the owl. Uh, she, she takes after me. We can't go to a grocery store or out and about with somebody commenting on her eyes. I don't know if that's why, but I'm extremely sensitive to the sun. So I wear Costas as my brand of choice, and I have three pairs with three different lenses. I've got aviators with gray, which are more my out-and-about glasses. I've got my ones with brown lenses, which are yeah, copperish, which are my preference. And then I've got the yellow lenses. If you listen to the Edison show, you know I'm going to be sending my glasses back in to get the yellow plastic lenses replaced with the yellow glass ones. And I could have used those today. The visibility when I was driving to the river to meet my clients today was 50 to 60 feet. And I've got a picture on Instagram from today of a guy downriver. He's the one I've mentioned before. We're out wet waiting or waiting, whatever. And this guy shows up and goes between us on his third cast. He gets a snakehead. It was, oh man, that was so insulting to me. It was good for him. So we chatted this morning. He went downstream from us and it was just eerie how cloudy it was and the steam coming off the water. The reason I bring multiple sunglasses is not just for the light, but things go wrong, especially for me. My daughter asked me yesterday, she's like, dad, do I get my clumsy from you? And I wanted to be like, yes, I'm the guy that falls walking upstairs. I'm just clumsy. That's what happens. You know, I fell in the Potomac a couple years ago, guiding for shad. I'm injury prone is what you you could say. So things are going to happen to me or maybe someone I'm with. So I'm always going to carry enough. Like I said, I might be a mobile fly shop when I'm out and about. If I have it here, why am I going to spend the money to get it somewhere else and just have multiple of things? You never know when a lens will break, a sunglass strap is going to break, or a screw might fall out. I used to have glasses where the lenses would fall out. I would 
be standing in the river and I'd look around and all of a sudden it was extremely bright on my right eye. And I all of a sudden I looked down and my lens was in the water. It was a dodgy pair of glasses and that's why I switched to a company that's reliable. Sunglasses, multiple varieties, multiple pairs. Now the tackle I'm going to bring with me, rods. I'm going to bring, depending on where I'm going, if it's steelhead, eight weights. If I'm going to be carp fishing, six to eights. If I'm mountain trout fishing, three to fours. I've got enough rods as a guide that I can cover most of what I need and have backups. The trip when Hurricane Sandy came through, I think amongst us, five rods were broken in a couple days. So we had spares, we had backups. I've got a rod now that's missing uh, the tip top guide. I got to fix that. And I'm going to, when I buy my rods, I'm buying them in four pieces just to make traveling easier. They're going to fit inside that travel tube. They're going to fit on my day pack. They're going to fit in the overhead bin. They're going to fit in the car much more easy that you can take them on a bicycle. And I already mentioned that I bought the 10 car rod for Australia, but I take that with me when we go to Manhattan so I can fish in Central Park. We're going to be up there in March. It's going to be too cold and we're going to be focused on eating. There's going to be a lot of eating going on. I think the wife has an estimated 30 restaurants a day she'd like to hit. I definitely want to go to Rudy's for a hot dog and a pint when we're up there. I can't. I want to go to Bouvet too. She wants to go to new places, but Bouvet in the village is by far my favorite place to eat in Manhattan. And the Tankara rod fits in my day pack, which is made for skiing, and it has a separate pouch for avalanche poles for you to put together like a tent pole and poke through the snow to find somebody. The Tankara rod fits perfectly in there. Reels. I'm going to bring backup reels and different spools if possible just to cover floating intermediate sinking shooting head you name it fly lines can break i already found that out last march when i lost a shooting head real knobs have broken off in the cold we once and the keys were fishing a reel where the screw came off on the inside of the arbor and cut the backing and a bonefish was lost Stuff happens. You just never know. I've got some reels that when the fish is pulling on them, the arbor grinds against the spool. I've got to send that reel back in before the season starts up because I'm going to be needing that if I go traveling up to Cape Cod. I've got extra lines up here in my closet. I've got a variety of floating lines, sinking lines. If I'm going to shop and they've got lines on clearance, I'm going to buy them. I'm lucky enough to have picked up mostly sinking tips and full sink lines. And then I've got a whole bunch of floating lines from the store I worked at 12 years ago where they were on sale for $4.88 clearance. Bright orange and chartreuse are my preferences, not just for me to see, but I need my clients to see them. And if I'm fishing them, I need to be able to see their line in the water as well. I'm going to carry my small Plano box that's going to have... 30 pound, 20 pound, 14 pound, 12 pound, 10 pound, 8 pound mono slash fluorocarbon that I can use to build leaders and tippets. If I'm going to be out west, I'm going to also have spools of 4, 5x. I really don't want to use 6x. If I'm going somewhere the fish are bigger, I might have some spools of 2x. I, I don't really fish with those, so I can always buy them when I get there. I'm going to carry split shot if I can. 
just in case I need to get down. If I'm fishing my bacon fly, I tie that fly to be fished with three BB split shot in front of it. And that's with a loop knot and no, the fish don't care that there are three split shot in front of the fly. I've caught enough fish that it works. And again, I only fish my bacon fly when I fish trout fish. It's the only streamer I use for trout. I will be selling those and tying and demonstrating those at the Lancaster show coming up in one week from now. I'm going to bring swivels with me as well. That's more when I steelhead fish. And if you listen to the Wet Fly Swing podcast, you'll hear about my leader uh, formulas that I use, which involve a swivel. I'm going to bring a knot tying tool, which should be on my lanyard, but is most often going to be in my travel case, which is new. And that's so I can tie if I break off the tip of my line, if it sometimes it breaks before the knot, I can take some monofilament, double it over, lash it, or I can take 30 pound or 40 pound Berkeley Vanish or amnesia line. I'm also going to carry a small spool of amnesia, bright red with me. And that way I can add on a tip for nymphine or just sighting. I'm going to be taking my pliers with me, depending on the fish. If I don't want my hands near their mouth, if they're toothy, I'm going to use my pliers. I've got my stripping basket up. It's in my closet here. If you looked at my closet, you'd be disgraced right now. It's it's quite messy in my office right now. I've been tying a lot of flies commercially for stores recently, so it's a, it's a little bit of chaos going on. There's a stripping basket in there. I have not used... Oh, actually, there it is. It's on the floor in front of me. It has all of my receipts and credit card statements for fiscal year 2017. I'm going to take that to Cape Cod because I probably need it up there. I'm going to find somebody that is the guru of Cape Cod fly fishing and try and get a podcast because I know nothing about Cape Cod. So if you've got advice on who I should talk to, let me know. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to need that. I really haven't used my stripping basket since I fished out on the bay at night back in the day when I was 22 years old and had the stamina to fish till four in the morning and then get three hours of sleep and work an eight hour shift in a fly shop. And I mentioned my lanyard. I'm also going to have extra strike indicators in there, probably an extra lip balm. I'm going to carry my sunscreen in my long tube if I can. Uh, sun gloves, mask, and I'll probably get to that later on. Now, flies. Again, if I'm traveling on the airplane, there's that trip to Idaho. And if you haven't listened to two days or three days in Idaho, it's the short story I wrote, which I try to get written to a magazine and then decided I don't want to be a writer. I'd rather talk about things. And that's where the podcast came from. I brought one box of three flies of a variety of patterns and sizes. And that kind of covered me. I had no idea what I was getting into. And I'm using the Risen Fly boxes now that hold, I don't know, 180 flies. And I can carry my guiding box right now has got crayfish, buggers, three or four types of worms, four or five types of beadhead nymphs. It's got eggs in it. It's got three sizes of Chernobyl ants. What else is in there? It carries a whole bunch. So I'm going to carry as much as I can in the smallest container I can for air travel. If I have the room for road trips, I'm going to carry my big cliff box 
I mean, have a variety of other fly boxes. When I go steelhead fishing, I take way more than I need, and I've been tying steelhead flies for 17 years now, and I've got one, two, three, I've got four Plano boxes because I tie 20 to 30 flies a night when I'm up there, and I might use five or six or lose seven or eight. And I've got a surplus, but I still want to tie each night when we're there because that's just part of my tradition. I have flies that build up over time. And I can just take one of those boxes and my big day pack, the low Alpine one, I traded that for something for Tom. I remember it was on clearance used at Eastern Mountain Sports at Tyson's Corner Mall. And Tom bought it and I traded something for it, like a six pack of beer. In 99, and it's still going strong, and that's what I take up and down the Salmon River and on day trips. It fits in the drift boat. It's just a good all-around pack. So I'm going to take big boxes that are species-specific or pattern-specific or type of flies. It can be dry flies. Is it going to be terrestrials? When I used to carry a fly fishing vest, I would just take the vest and throw that in the car. I would have one box of streamers, one box of like a Wheatley of all of my dry flies, a nymph box, terrestrials, and my vest was just 20 pounds. It was awful. I don't use a vest anymore. I also don't fish for trout like that anymore where I don't need to match the hatch. So size of the boxes and the amount of flies is again dependent on the amount of space I have. Now other camping gear or car camping, I'm going to have my pocket rocket, stove plus a can of fuel pots and pans for cooking bacon or grilled cheese sandwiches warming up soup i can't eat oatmeal anymore i think oatmeal is absolutely disgusting i that's what i started eating camping in colorado and through high school and college and now if i think of apple cinnamon instant oatmeal it's up there with the rotten shark from the edison show i cannot do oatmeal I'm going to carry titanium sporks with me, a small measuring cup. I've got my really cool black diamond lantern LED from my friend Jesse, who works at Black Diamond. And I've got my extremely bright uh, torch, whatever it's called, LED that can go 200 yards in an open field. And I've got my titanium tea kettle. And all of this I will either carry in a dry bag or inside my day pack or bring a Trader Joe's reusable shopping bag. If you've got room to bring that stuff and it's not a far hike in, just bring it. A warm cup of soup or some hot tea or hot Trader Joe's spice latte can make the difference between a really lousy day or a really good day. When we had horrible fishing two years ago up in New York, I made bacon all day long. It was fantastic. And when my wife's done with the potter pan upstairs, then it goes into the camping bins under the house. And I learned all of my camping food from John. His name was John Pruis. He's the one that took me all around Southern Colorado in 94. I never really camped. I camped at Jew Camp and I camped at Rest and Day Camp, but nothing out in the boonies. You know, at camp up there, you'd cook Hebrew Nationals over the fire on a stick and some marshmallows. He taught me more of camping food, dehydrated camping food. My dehydrated camping food of choice is going to be chili mac with beef or stroganoff with noodles. And then again, when Scott made those grilled cheese on homemade sourdough last fall, that was up there with the grilled cheese I used to eat when I worked at Cheese Teak. That stuff was amazing. Some of the miscellaneous things, again, uh, sunscreen, 
Water bottles. Oh, I'm a thirsty guy. I sweat a lot too. My wife, she's like, you got sweat all over your face. And I was like, hush, lady. Just because you don't sweat don't mean you can make fun of me. And I'm going to have lots of water bottles with me. I want to get one of those little platypus bags, the ones that deflate as you drink it, so it doesn't take up as much space. And we were out on Thursday at Four Mile Run, and I'm, we get down to the bank, and I'm like, man, they just had a river cleanup here three days ago, and there's litter all over the shore. And I forgot my trash bag, and I started just chucking bottles up along, along the trail up there. And I pick up this blue bottle, I'm about to throw it, and I see Y-E-T-I. It's a baby blue Yeti 20-ounce thermos, like new. Open it up, it's dry inside. And I'm like, man, this is this is four-mile run. I wouldn't drink a bottle of Jack Daniels if the cap was sealed on it, if I found it out here. But the Yeti bottle got me curious. I put it in my waders. I got home and put it on Facebook, and the consensus was bleach it, dishwasher it, and you're good to go. So I've got that new one. So that's going to have hot tea in it. My tea of choice, if you're wondering, I'm not a coffee guy. Uh, I like Lady Grey with some heavy cream and honey. And to me, that is an absolutely perfect drink. Though today, cold, rainy, I was on the river for three hours with clients. I came home and made a huge pot of black tea with lychee that I get from the Thai market over in Bailey's Crossroads. And now that's a 30-minute drive. So i Get there when I can. The woman's always happy to see me, and we hang out, and we talk Thai cooking. The only shooting stick with one-handed trigger pull adjustments has a new way to keep you at the top of your game. The Trigger Stick Apex. Built for sturdy support that adapts to unforgiving terrain with easy adjustments to make your big shots. With our Durasteady three-piece carbon leg design and interchangeable rock-solid clamp, Nothing tops the Apex. The Trigger Stick Apex, only from Primo's. My machete, I've been a fan of machetes since I was in sixth grade. There was a kid I went to school with whose mom, this is back when we had cash on delivery, and inside Guns and Ammo magazine, there was the Edge Knife Company. And she would buy us switchblades and stilettos and nunchucks, and you would just give her the cash. And she's like, oh, boys, what do you want? This was the 80s. And I got a machete from there. And I loved it until my parents found it. And then they took it away. And then I went to the Amazon and wanted to buy one and have it shipped in 93. And that didn't work. And somehow I bought another one through high school and college. You can't go cheap ones. It's got to be full tang with a heavy weight on the front. And now the one I'm using is SOG Jungle Primitive. It's a small, maybe 12 inches total. It's serrated on the back. It's sharp on the front. And I can bushwhack with it. I can open cans with it. I can cut monofilament on the riverbank. I can kill snakeheads with it. And that, if I was stranded on a deserted island, I would want my machete and a Leatherman Wave, and I would be perfectly happy. I think Robinson Crusoe had it made. If he had a Leatherman and a machete, he would have done even better. So those are some of the things I'm going to bring with me. Of course, uh, electronics nowadays, you've got to bring maybe a spare battery pack to charge. You've got to have some extra wires with you. I've actually started listening to CDs again in my car. And my daughter was freaked out how we put a CD in and she thought the car ate it. She's like, make, make it spit it out and eat it again. 
So we listened to Dark Side of the Moon last week. We went to Ira from Healing Waters House for uh, dinner and an overnight. I think that's most of the miscellaneous things. If I look around my office right now, uh, what's up there on my shelves? I'm always just going to take double of everything. And Holt was so mad when he picked me up for a steelhead trip and I had tubs and jugs and bags and like, man, this is how I roll. I don't want to get up there and break a rod and have to go buy another rod or buy another fly line. It's just, it's not necessary. If I could bring a tying kit, I will. I've got this plastic folder carrier that you would use in an office. And that's my mobile tying kit now. It's got a handle and a latch. I can put my Regal Vice in there. And um, I didn't mention this earlier. One of the, the main things you need when you're car camping is unscented baby wipes and Stridex pads. It's basically a shower in a, in a can or canister. So you can do your... Uh, your bits and pieces and your armpits, your face and neck. And if you get the scented ones, you're going to smell like a baby. If you get the unscented ones, nobody's going to know you're sleeping in your car. If you're smart, you're going to get, uh, let's see. This is Walmart brand Soothes, Soothes, Cleans, and Freshens, Fresh and Clean Kids Flushable Wipes. These come in a plastic bin. And right now it's got my scissors and some bead chain and my right bobbin in it for a tying class I'm giving tomorrow. You can reuse those boxes and they're great for holding fly tying material. That's what I pack all my hooks in when I travel. So again, you're going to need uh, baby wipes and then just have a trash bag in the car. So my tying kit has the baby wipe box for tools. I'm going to bring in the other box, a variety of hook packs, cones, and beads, variety of weights, colors, and sizes, because again, I don't want to have to travel somewhere, and I'm not taking this if I'm flying. I think I flew once, and I posted pictures of tying flies with my clamp vise on the airplane. The first time I traveled with a vise in 94 to Colorado, they couldn't figure out what it was, and they were not going to let me on the plane. My old Griffin vise, it's down there, it's unused now. Um, I bought that in spring break in 94 with my buddy Dave Orton. Dave, I think, lives in Macedonia now. And I'm not going to want to travel and have to buy tungsten beads or a pack of dumbbells. I will, but I don't want to because I have all of it here. It's kind of like going to the grocery store and buying things without checking if you need it first. We've got two huge jugs of buttermilk in the refrigerator because I was making Nashville hot chicken. Shoot me an email or text, and I will get you the recipe I'm using from Chow Hound. And you need buttermilk to marinate it overnight. My wife's been using it to make this buttermilk dill dressing that you put on butter lettuce. Mm, that's good. So I ended up buying more things than I need, and I come home, and I get in trouble. The basic tools I'm going to carry with me are scissors. I'm going to have a large pair and a small pair. And I've mentioned before that I've switched over to the loon scissors, and they are phenomenal. I'm going to carry bobbins with me, preferably right bobbins or my old ceramic griffin bobbins. If I'm traveling somewhere and all this is going in a storage bin, I'm going to take my old foam Renzetti tool caddy. And looking at that, it's going to have surgical scissors, 10 to 12 bobbins, a dental pick, uh, bodkins, a toothbrush. It has 
uh, emery boards for your fingers. It has Zuddy's leg puller, tweezers, a whip finisher. And I think that's about it. So I could bring all of my tools and bobbins, each one threaded with a different color or style of thread. If I'm traveling light, just taking that black office box, I'm going to have one to two bobbins and spools of thread in the butt wipe box. I'm going to carry my little metal tubes of Solar Easy. I know Bruce calls it Solar Ez, but to me it's Solar Easy. We had a leaking pipe in our um, HVAC unit. I fixed it with that the other day. Shazam. And I'm carrying my Solar Easy flashlight because it's tiny. It's like a, a little bit bigger than a chapstick tube. And then basic threads. Again, my threads of choice are 210 denier, black, and chartreuse, 6 aught uni red, and then I'll probably, bling, probably also bring a spool of 6 aught clear mono. And that covers most of what I do. I have other colors of thread, and those are more pattern specific. But I do everything with 210 denier. That's what I'm going to bring with me. And then I'm going to bring all of my material back here. So for a steelhead trip, I'm going to bring all my flashy stuff. A huge bag of marabou, huge bag of dubbing, a huge bag of flash material. I'm going to have to bring uh, senyo wire. I'm going to bring my OPST shanks. I'm going to bring my OPST hooks, dumbbells. Uh, what else is back there? I'm going to bring different types of chenilles. I'm going to bring angora rabbit yarn. Basically, everything I need for tying those patterns. And of course, there's something I will be missing that I don't have at home, and I don't feel guilty. And that's when I go into Melinda's shop and spend my food money for the week on tying materials. If I'm going to Ohio, I'm just going to bring a couple basic things. If I'm going to Colorado again, uh, I'm just going to bring size 16 to 22 hooks, a bunch of small beads, threads, and just the stuff to tie the micro flies. I got to admit, though, I started fishing the mop flies this week. I tied up 140 for a local store. Figured I would try it. On Thursday, our first cast caught us a 10-inch largemouth. We fished it today with no luck. I'm going to admit, man, I, that fly is pretty fantastic. I, I do like it. It never inspired me until I started tying with it. And after 140 of them, I was like, I'm going to start fishing these. So that pretty much covers the tying materials. Um, also, for clothing, I'm going to bring extra fingertipless gloves. I'm going to bring extra underwear, socks. There's not just the stuff that your BO is going to destroy. It's also stuff that could get wet or just ruined if you fall in or if you spill something on yourself like me. I wish all my clothes were made out of Teflon. My life would be so much easier. And I think that's it. Spare buffs. I'm going to bring different baseball hats. Uh, just multiple of absolutely everything. Uh, oh, you know what? Next is rain gear. Uh, clothing. So I will double up on everything I just said. In fact, I'm going to erase all that. So after my tying, I have clothing listed. Uh, we're going to start off with rain gear. So I break my rain gear down as it might rain. There's light rain. It's absolutely cats and dogs pouring dumping so my light rain jacket is going to be i've got this old orvis waiting jacket that packs down to absolutely nothing that's if it might rain 
or I've got my Patagonia bright orange sea kayaking jacket, which is basically the SST old jacket, but it's orange and it has reflectors on it. I can stuff that in a small bag or tie it around my waist, wrap it around my shoulders, whatever. If it's going to be light raining, I'm going to use that Patagonia jacket or my new Sitka gear jacket. And that Sitka gear jacket is beyond anything I've ever worn. It is technology and it's, I'm guessing, made by people that go in the worst weather conditions because that thing is just amazing. And then if it's heavy rain gear where we've got lake effect rains coming off of the Great Lakes, I'm going to be wearing a Kokatat. I think it's Kokatat. It's a kayaking jacket. It has a slight neoprene neck gasket, so no water gets in my clothes, and it has latex wrist gaskets, and then it has a, a tight belt, and I can more or less fall in up to my neck, and I'm not getting wet if that's pulled over my waders. Hats and gloves, I'm going to be bringing a variety of hats based on the temperature, Right now, I'm wearing my knit hat that our neighbor Mayung made for me. I might wear a windstopper hat if it's really windy. I might have things that cover my ears a little more. I've got, I mean, I, I'm kind of a gear nerd. I've got more winter hats than my wife has shoes. I've got the windstoppers. I've got chin strap ones. Uh, I've got my Elmer Fudd hat with that clips on the bottom with synthetic rabbit hair in it. I'm going to bring a variety of buffs, not just for my neck, but for my face. And then I roll those over four times and I wear those as a face mask at night. I'm going to bring multiple fingertipless gloves. I should have one pair of regular full finger gloves. And if it's really cold out, I'm going to bring my North Face mitts that go three quarters up my forearm and cinch and have a zipper pocket for little heat packs. Definitely, you're going to have a bunch of those heat packs on you. And I forgot where I heard it. Somebody didn't know what the, why it heats up. It's an exothermic reaction where the iron pellets react to oxygen and they rust. And there's a chemical reaction. Exothermic means it, it produces heat and it lets off heat. And that's how you can have those in your pockets to keep your fingertips warm or down in your socks. And I'm going to wear a baseball hat if I can just for the shade over my eyes. I don't like having to wear a hat that's a, a winter style hat like I'm wearing now if it's sunny out. And I'm going to say my all-time favorite wintry fleece hat is the one I got at Kmart several years ago. And I thought I lost it last October. And I was very upset. It ended up uh, at someone else's house in, in a bag of theirs from the PTA school event we were at outside. I dropped it and someone picked it up. A lot of these layers are more for the cold temperatures. I'll just say... If it's summer, Chaco flip-flops, a pair of shorts, long-sleeve SPF shirt, net gaiter, big hat. This is going to be more for the winter stuff. Um, my base layers, I'm going to have Patagonia silk weight as my base. My mid-weight over that is going to be fleece pants or a mid-weight. And then I will have a heavyweight, which now I've gone to my fleece bibs. My torso, I'm going to have a synthetic... Uh, t-shirt probably sleeveless just to get a little bit more airflow to my pits i will have a long sleeve synthetic spf proof shirt over that 
If I need to wear something over that, it's going to be a three-quarter zip shirt that I can open and close to let a little bit of heat out. Some kind of wool sweater, although I just recently switched to acrylic. It doesn't itch. I don't sneeze. It's waterproof. It's stain-proof. I like it. If it's even colder, for base layer underneath my outermost layer, I'm going to have my 800 fill down vest. And then I'm going to have my shell, which now is either going to be my Sitka jacket or my Moonstone Uber Puffy down jacket. And I can take those off layer by layer, sort of like an onion, based on the temperatures. If I'm moving a lot, we're hiking up a stream or mountains, I can shed them. I can open zippers or open pit zips and let the body heat out because I don't want that to be in my clothes because then when I stop moving, it's going to get cold and clammy and that can lead to hypothermia. I'm also going to bring a pair of slacks with me, kind of work pants and a button down shirt in case we go out to dinner somewhere. And that means I'm probably going to have to bring some Brill cream for my hair. Um, I've been cutting my hair now for about 10 years, so it's never too long where it's messy, but I've got the Jufro and it's quite unruly and untamable. If we can go out to dinner, I can wear my hat. I'll be much more happy. Socks, I'm going to bring multiple pairs because they get funky and you just want to switch them out. If you wear socks enough, the materials are going to be pushed down by the weight of your body throughout the day and the fibers are not going to be as insulating as they were when you took them out of your sock drawer. And now I've got six pairs of red and gray socks. I don't have to worry about mismatching them. I can throw all six in my luggage if I'm taking them all or three pairs or two pairs and know that all of them are going to match. I made it easy for myself. That sort of sums up how I'm going to pack for a trip. If there's anything else, uh, i got my DSLR camera. If I've got room for that, I'm going to have my Pelican case, which is going to have a variety of lenses in it. If I'm traveling, I'm going to podcast. I've got a new mic stand from producer Jason. I'll have my microphone or my DAT with me. My laptop's a piece of garbage, so I try to run everything off my phone. I'll bring a lamp with me if I'm tying in a low-lit place. Uh, what else? What else? I think that's pretty much it. I've been doing this long enough that I know exactly what I'm going to wear and what to bring. All of my long sleeve shirts are black. All of my work pants are brown or olive. I wear the same thing every day in the winter, which is a t-shirt and a long sleeve black shirt, work pants, Ariat boots, and now I've just been wearing this blue Colorado hoodie almost every day. My wife will not let me wear my old OAR hoodie. She says I look like a kid in it, even though it is the warmest. And I used to be against wearing sweatshirts out fishing because if they get wet, cotton kills. But the hoodie's pretty nice. It's got a nice hood on it, and the OAR one covers most of my neck. And I'll wear that, and if I get wet, I can go switch out of it. That dry bag I mentioned earlier for cooking stuff, that is in case there's a rainstorm. I will put electronics or things that can't get wet in there, specifically fly boxes. And we hold onto all of our silica packs that come with your shoes or your nori or whatever. Keep those in your fly boxes. They'll soak up any moisture because if you're car camping or camping, you're not going to really have time to dry things off. Additionally, in my car, I'm going to have an air pump. I'm going to carry extra napkins. You've got to have toilet paper with you in your car and in your day pack. 
I'm going to have sunflower seeds, probably some biltong. And if I'm going to drink Gatorade, I'm going to bring powdered Gatorade where it's not as sugary. <sighs> yeah, that's it. So uh, forgive me for forgetting your name from the Virginia show, but this is the podcast on how I'm going to prepare for a trip. The next podcast is going to be Lancaster fly fishing show. And I'm definitely going to have more fun at this one because it's a little smaller. There should be some more foot traffic. I don't want to be down on y'all, but I just was kind of bored with the doldrums of being in a corner with very little foot traffic. The last show, the closest booth to us was 30 feet away. You're only going that way. If you were getting a beer, you were not going by there to see a couple of us tying. And after that, I thought about what does a client need to know when they book a trip? So I've been writing down on my phone notes on what I expect or hope a client to do before they go on a trip. And we've got uh, spring break coming up, so I'm going to do another road trip podcast, no fishing involved. And then it's into shad season. And again, if you could please go to phwff.org and donate some money, your small contribution could save somebody's life. Getting them into fly fishing can change a veteran's life. And you know through statistics that suicide is a major issue with veterans and through project healing waters it can give new meaning to someone's life and it can change them and keep them around and five bucks if everybody gave five bucks and that could be our spring fundraiser you know i don't ask anything from this podcast it's all free but we can do something we can we can get anglers around the country and around the world fishing and introduce them to what we know and love and that's being on the water with a rod in your hand may or may not catching fish so that's it for 194 i hope to see some of you at lancaster maybe you're listening to this as you drive up there and jason i hope we can figure out a weekend for you to come down and fish for shad this year that's it folks Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to www.robsnowwhite.com. Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Watch Waypoint TV's Great Outdoors Month celebration. Presented by Battery Tender. Every Tuesday in June from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Join us for land management tips, family hunts, and conservation-centric films as we show our appreciation for the great outdoors. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.